Soccer is the subject on today's Sports PKC, the Kansas City Stars Daily Sports Podcast. It's Friday, June 25th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Sporting Kansas City continues its climb up the MLS Western Conference standing. They defeated the Colorado Rapids 3-1 on Wednesday, and Daniel Shallowy, I know we've talked a lot about him on this show, but it's unavoidable. He was sensational once again. Two goals and an assist in a game in what probably stands among his top performances in a sporting jersey. About that assist, it was pretty cool to see Felipe Hernandez score his first MLS goal. Earlier that day, KCNWSL gave the fans at Legends Field something to cheer about. They scored their first home goal and took the lead in first half stoppage time against Orlando, but the game was tied before the break and Orlando went on to win 3-1. We discussed both games and both teams on today's show with the familiar voice of Sean Goodwin and a couple of new ones. Cora Hall and Briar Napier are interning at the start this summer. They grew up fans of the sport and have been regularly involved in the coverage. So let's get started with our foursome talking soccer. And, you know, since it's a knockout round of the Euro 2020, we'll have some picks at the end of the show. The purpose of today's podcast is twofold. One, we're going to talk about soccer in Kansas City as we do every week with Sean Goodwin. Sean, how are you? Uh, after yesterday's doubleheader, a little bit tired. It took a toll on me, but I'm here. I'm awake. Yeah, you're awake. Ready to talk soccer, so I can't complain. You're semi-coherent, too. That's always a good thing. I'm always semi-coherent. It's the accent. But the more important purpose today is to introduce a couple of reporters for the Kansas City Star who are here for the summer covering many, many things, including soccer. And what I think is really cool is they're very interested in soccer, and that's not always the case with interns, but it is absolutely the case with Cora Hall and Briar Napier. Cora, let's let's start with you. Uh, just tell us a little bit about yourself, where you came from, and exactly where Ferris State is. Yeah, my name is Cora Hall. I just graduated from Ferris State University in Michigan. Uh, it's about an hour north of Grand Rapids. It's a pretty small town. I played soccer my whole life since I was four, and it was just a, a love of mine since then, and it's kind of bled into now my journalism and especially women's soccer. That's really cool. I know that uh, you've been to a couple of the KCNWSL games and we're going to talk about the Wosos today as well. You grew up playing soccer, so position all over all over the place or did you have a position? Yeah, I was a little bit all over the place growing up and then once I got to high school, I really settled in at, at goalkeeper and I, I do miss it sometimes, especially when I go to practices um, for Woso and I'm like watching them train. I was like, I miss that. Depth of knowledge of soccer from from playing. That's great. All right, Briar, you're somewhat familiar with not only the area, but soccer in the area as well. You really know sporting very well. Tell us your background, and when did you start covering sporting? Hello, I'm Briar Napier. I am originally from Southern Illinois, Central Southern Illinois near uh, Champaign, so U of I country. But I graduated this past May from Mizzou with sporting. I've obviously kind of been a watcher of sporting for a while for most of my college uh, experience. I started covering them for a little bit for the Columbia Missourian for a couple months before I came here. And then for now, I'm helping out Sean on the beat. And so it's been really, really fun. Like Cora, I'm, I'm a soccer fan. I love watching the game. I love deep diving in about the game and the strategies and players, stories, all of that. And I had a blast last night at a Sporting's win. And I'm hoping that there's more good experiences like that for the rest of the summer. 
How did it develop that you covered sporting while you were in Columbia? Did they have a Royals and a Chiefs beat too? Or why would they have somebody who focuses in on soccer? I was a uh, assistant sports editor at the Missourian as well. And we just happened to write a brief on Johnny Russell being named captain for like the beginning of the season. And then sporting's spokesperson saw the article and reached out to me. He's saying like, hey, anytime you want to come to a sporting match, we'll credential you as part of the Missourian and feel free to come. And so that was a kind gesture by him. I ended up going to the next match. I think it was against uh, Austin, the first Austin match. From there, I kind of hit the ground running on that. And then now it's just kind of seamlessly transitioned to doing it now for the star. So that was a nice way to get my feet wet early. Well, how smart is that on Sporting's part to reach out to you and understand that they're developing their audience And let's look at uh, Mid-Missouri. Let's look at people who are consumers of the product, which would be younger people. Sporting, of course, has been in Kansas City for quarter century, right? Their 25th year, counting Wizards Sporting. And since they've moved to Children's Mercy Park and changed their identity, I believe that was 2011, they have been on, on the forefront of, first of all, uh, technology. They were the first team around here, professional or college, to make sure that everybody's cell phone worked in the stadium. That sounds goofy now, but think about that 10 years ago, just to make sure you could you could access oh. your, your email at, at a game. KU's Memorial Stadium. Every right. time I'm in a game over. Right. I'm disconnected from the world. Speaking of KU, they had to bring in a truck for power. They'd have people leave the game because they couldn't access their cell phone. So, yeah, Sporting Kansas City, they're just smart about their reach outs. Always have been. Let's start with the action yesterday. Sporting Kansas City beat Colorado Rapids 3-1. to one. I did not get to watch the first half. I had something else going on. So I missed Daniel Shallowy's two goals in the first half, but I caught his assist. So he's he's involved with every one of the of the goals yesterday. Sean, you, you haven't seen every game the guy's ever played, mm-hmm. but I can't imagine statistically he's ever had a better game than that. Uh, statistically, no. I mean, two goals and assists, three goal contributions, and even just his play as a whole, you know, you look at his 2018 season when he had 11 goals, seven assists, that's across a whole season, right? Right. At this point, he's already up to six goals and three assists, and he's on pace to shatter that record. It's good to see him back what he's doing, and he has his little outburst last night saying he doesn't want to talk about last season or 2019. Yeah, he gave um, Briar the Heisman. Gave Briar, <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, fair play to him. And like, yeah, he's clearly showing that he's past it. But just on that note, confidence is there. And, you know, that's why I asked him, can you feel there's something different? Because I don't think good Daniel Shallowy of 2018, 2019, that second goal he took, little one-two edge of the box was a quick touch and, oh, like a shot into the air post. Get Daniel Shallowy of 19 and 20. Might have tried to take it, wasn't going to score it. <laughs> but yeah, you can tell there's just there's something different there and he's proven a lot of haters wrong. As long as he keeps firing the way he is, it's a positive surprise for Sports and KC. Keep on going, Daniel, we'll see where it goes. He's really in his zone. Yeah. He's totally yeah. in his zone. We, we talk about that with baseball players, with hitters, yeah. right? Anything, it looks like, you know, a beach ball when it comes, you know, from a pitcher. <laughs> but but he is, uh, it's like anything he touches. Uh, he just goals. feels like he can do something with it. Yeah. So what was the, the nature of the story yesterday, Briar, about, uh, with Daniel? So in the press conference, uh, Peter Vermees, I asked him a question about uh, in the past two seasons after his really, really good 2018 season, 2019 and 2020 combined for one goal and one assist in 35 matches. But now, obviously, he's having a career resurgence right now. And so I asked Peter, 
throughout the past two years of like getting it up to speed and having him stay mentally in the game and trying to help him perform at the level like he knows he can. And he gave a really good answer about like staying in belief with Daniel and just always having his back. So I asked Daniel some form of it and firmly but fairly, he was very much like, let's not talk about the past anymore. I don't want to talk about it anymore. It's a clean slate. It's 2021. Let's focus on that. And honestly, like I can't blame him. I mean, he's like right now, like Sean said, six goals, three assists. The last time I checked, he was second in the MLS Golden Boot race behind uh, Javier Hernandez of LA Galaxy and Raul Ruiz Diaz of Seattle Sounders. Which is something we all predicted at the beginning of <laughs> yeah. at the beginning of the season. So give credit where credit's due. I mean, Shalvey's playing excellent, and maybe it's not fair to like try to connect it to that past because like he's here now and he's playing like and he's on fire at the moment. Yeah, and it's not just good goals. You know, if you look at you know we talk about goal contributions in soccer now in the last couple of years, ah, goal contributions because people aren't counting assists. And again, you know, might have changed with other games, but. I believe he's in third place right now um, for goal contributions in nine, uh, only beating out by uh, New England's Carlos Gill. He has 10 assists and a goal or two, I think. Uh, he's he's on fire as a playmaker. And then yeah, I think Chicharito with his seven goals and assists or two. So yeah, uh, he's really up there. And I just want to say, Daniel, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry we're talking about the past. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll go on to the future now. We're moving forward. So... This has to do with the past, but but I think in a good way, in a good way, in a good way, because Briar, you wrote the story about the connection of his homeland, Hungarian players, and the connection with them uh, with Sporting Kansas City. I thought it was an interesting story, and of course, Peter Vermees is the uh, is the obvious connection, but it's a connection that has worked so well for Sporting over the years. And take us through that story. I wanted to do a feature when I came here about. Uh, Peter Van Mies' connection to his uh, ancestral homeland of Hungary. I mean, his parents uh, fled during the Hungarian Revolution in the 50s, and then, but his dad was a footballer in the Hungarian First Division. And then when Peter grew up and became a player himself, uh, he spent some time playing in Hungary. And then he, when he was a youth, eventually his parents, after things calmed down, they made yearly visits back to Hungary. While Peter was there, he would train with uh, Budapest Honvéd, which was... Uh, one of the top clubs in Hungary and was his father's former club. And so he trained with the youth academy there and he would learn his game. But then when Peter became a manager, he wanted to utilize all the connections he had possible. And one of the things was also, it's like at the time when Peter became manager a little over a decade or so ago, MLS at the time, they had a couple Hungarian players just like in and out, but like there wasn't someone who really like utilized their connections in the country and brought players over. And then a decade later, now Peter has brought along players who played really well, most notably Daniel Shawley and then Christian Namath. Those two have especially been really, really good contributors for sporting. And then now there's been several players in MLS on other clubs who have like come from Hungary. Peter put it as like he sees MLS as a copycat league where he sees if someone's doing something well, then another team's going to try to emulate it. When you look at the history of it, like, for example, uh, Chicago Fire had a striker by the name of Nemanja Nikolic, who uh, in 2017, 2018, uh, won the Golden Boot with 24 goals. He's Hungarian. And then Philadelphia Union just signed a player by the name of Daniel Gazdag. is a midfielder who just played for Hungary in, in the Euros. So... 
Peter wasn't the first to bring players from Hungary to the MLS, but he was definitely the one to popularize it. And I thought that connection was interesting. And then of how he still keeps those ties and then utilizes in his uh, managerial career. So it's not the immediate pass we're talking about, uh, <laughs> Daniel Saloui. It's um, the distant pass. And speaking of, of that, we were talking about this before we hit the record button, that Sporting ended the game on Wednesday night with six homegrown players yeah. on the field, including Shallowy. So what's the significance of that, Sean? Well, Peace has always said it. At first, it sounded like a pipe dream, but it might not anymore. But he's always says that he wants to have a game with 11 homegrown players on the field. Or well, 11 academy products, at right. least. Uh, so we hit six last night, give it a couple more years. I think that speaks to uh, what Sporting's doing, to be honest. I feel like any time we talk about a youth player, you hear a um, pro player pathway. I feel like Peter and Meese, pro player pathway, you can't go a week without hearing them together. It's clearly showing dividends, right? So yeah, last night, you know, you've got Jalen Lindsay. Shallowy, Buzio, Hernandez, Carve Rad, and who am I missing? But you know, just talking about the significance with it, you know, you can make a successful MLS team from within. You don't have to be looking outside the country. And especially a big part nowadays is Peter and me, you know, we were talking about Buzio. The one we were forgetting was Cam Duke. Cam Duke. Yep. Um, he used to play for his dad as well. Sorry, Chris, if he's listening to. Peter and me, you know, we were talking about Buzio uh, going to Europe only last week. You know, he was talking about that. Of course, if you can create great players and keep them here, you know, it's great. But one of the phases of MLS now is developing players in the youth academy and, you know, sending them off to Europe to play for these huge teams. And, you know, we talked about this a week or two ago, Blair, Drenzing Aaron soon. We did. All those type of players. And that's kind of what sports and things could point out where, you know, Buzio's looking to be the first big one from Sporting, but... I'm sure he won't be the last as this as we keep pumping out players and Felipe Hernandez, one of those, got his first goal last night. He's 23, which I think people forget because he's just having a breakthrough now. Another great player who I think is going to start playing a big role, especially this season, as legs get tired, injuries happen. He's a young guy with plenty of passion, plenty of legs, so yeah, good for him. Yep. Hey, and Cam Duke, local product, adding insult to injury, forgetting about Cam That's Duke. That's what I'm saying. I, I played soccer for his dad. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we'll go across the parking lot because it was a soccer doubleheader in Kansas City yesterday. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Star's award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at $50 unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer, 
And as always, thanks for listening. Okay, we're back on Sportsbeat KC. We're talking soccer with Cora Hall, Briar Napier, and Sean Goodwin. I'm Blair Kirkhoff. Sporting wins 3-1 to one last night over the Colorado Rapids earlier in the day. Like Children's Mercy Park, Legends Fields had, has had different names. In fact, it was Community America Ballpark yeah. when the Wizards and Sporting played there way back in the day. Mm-hmm. But anyway, in that Legends Field, KCNWSL, oh my gosh, they scored a goal. They scored the game's first goal in extra time in the in the you know the ninth what the ninth minute of extra time in the first half. Yeah. And I was so pumped. And the uh, first goal of the regular season, it was by uh, Mariana Larroquette. How many seconds later did Orlando? Two minutes later. Yeah, yeah it was a minute or two. Yeah, it was a first home yeah. uh, goal of the regular season. But yeah, talk, it was literally on the verge. It was 11 minutes stoppage time. 45 plus 11. Yeah. yeah. So what was, what was the sense or what was the feeling, Cora, in the, in the stadium when, uh, when they got the goal? It was it was pretty much elation from the fans. There was over four thousand people there in the afternoon on a Wednesday. One so, o'clock kick, right? Yeah, it was a really like good atmosphere. The the Casey Wilson fans are pretty serious about um, coming to games and supporting this team the first season, and they you know had also thought that they had a goal earlier in the game. Uh, nine minutes in, uh, A Rod found the back of the net, but she got called offside. It was a really nice play, and it was kind of nice to see that. That almost goal was a result of them really pushing the pace, creating a lot of opportunities in that first half. And then in stoppage, which, you know, we sat there for an extra 11 minutes in the first half. It was kind of um, unheard of at that point. Was, it, was that a water break thing or was that part of hydration was, break part of it? Or how, how did they get 11? I've never seen that yeah. many additional minutes. Hydration always adds another two or three minutes, yeah. which has been a little bit annoying, but it was injuries. Okay. Um, yeah, one of Orlando's players. Uh, got injured. She was down for about five minutes or so, and then just go three minutes cumulated elsewhere. And out comes eleven, which is the most I've seen out of the uh, <laughs> the old school Manchester United Fergie time. Um, <laughs> back when the, the referee raised six minutes for Man United, and then Man U would score in the tenth minute of stoppage time or something stupid. So yeah, it's the longest I've seen. But then they score the goal, and it's it's really a lovely thing. And and gosh, they. They score finally uh, after not scoring for weeks, and they take a lead after not having a lead. Well, until so they've having a lead all year, have they? Even in uh, they did. They were beating Houston one zero. Right, that's right. And, yeah, and then they then they fell down two. It ended up drawing right. Yeah, the two, it was 90th minute equalizer. Right, that was that was their first goal in a in month exactly. Yesterday, <sighs> first goal in a month. Okay, so then they give it up in the freaking eleventh minute. Okay, they go into halftime one one. I'm thinking, let's get a point, maybe get a point. Let's they they're playing at home. There's a good crowd. It sounded good. I heard someone on the radio. It just didn't happen for him in the second half. When Sydney uh, Larue comes out and she scores that goal, she is in the forty minute, forty eighth minute. There's not much any goalkeeper can do about that kind of shot. I mean, she starts out on the left, cooks in size, and if I remember correctly. It, it was killing away from Abby Smith as well and just can't get fingers to it far corner. You can't really blame her for that one. I don't even know if you can blame her for the Martigal right at the end because he expects a player to shoot from 40 yards out. Right. And it was Tough kind stuff. of just a product of Sydney LaRue being Sydney LaRue. She yeah. beat a defender, was in between two defenders when she took that shot. She had the smallest window and just 
an excellent shot from right outside the box. There was nothing you could really yeah. do about that. And then, yeah, the Marta goal was just two great players being two great players yeah. that no one expects that kind of moonshot to come just randomly in the 85th minute. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, you know, other than that, you know, Abby Smith had a really, really good game and she's really come out strong back from injury and and honestly, is I think has been a really key part of Kansas City staying in these games. And, you know, they're really hanging with all these teams in a really, really talented league. So, you know what, I think once they start pushing the pace like they did yesterday, creating those opportunities, you know, the wins will come. But as of right now, uh, the second half, it just, the same offensive effort wasn't really there because I felt like the first half they were really getting up the field. They had a lot of free kicks. And, you know, what was kind of nice about those was, they were creating second chances off of those, which is before they weren't always doing that. They were getting beat in the box. They weren't getting heads on the ball. But yesterday it felt like they were creating second chances and getting second shots off that, um, which I think really led to that offensive momentum that it kind of felt like they had. Well, speaking of Abby Smith, first of all, are you guys letting her off the hook for, for yesterday for the most part? Uh, yeah, I mean, again, the good day. I mean, you can. I just, I just, yeah, no, you, you I mean, saw the goal. So, well, and then the first goal was it's a deflection. The so. first goal was hard because it was, it was an deflection. own goal. It ended up, wasn't yeah, it? yeah, I mean, of course, uh, he tried to it, stop it. Went it went off a teal um, sock, I believe. Yeah, yeah, of course, he tried to stop it. And so, at the, of course, he was like pretty close to the goal at that point. So, Abby Smith was already got her momentum going one way to try to stop that shot, and then it went back the other way and right. kind of slid past her. So, that was a tough shot to, to swallow, I think. Yeah, but I mean, I think it says something I've been talking so much about Abby Smith, and it's tough to, when you talk about a team that's now lost five straights, they haven't won a game in 11 tries now. Uh, and it's, it's weird to be talking about the goalkeeper being one of the best, most consistent players on the team. And obviously she was injured for a little bit in the cold ball and hot start of the regular season. But I think, again, if it wasn't for Abby Smith, we talk about how Casey's kept games close it could be a lot worse if it wasn't for Abby Smith. Yeah, the reason I bring her up is I did watch Sunday's game and she stopped a penalty kick. That that was phenomenal. When somebody stops a penalty Sinclair kick. Sinclair of all people Yes. Too. Yeah. And she was phenomenal in the first half of that game. And Portland gets a goal right in in stop. I, I, it, if it wasn't stoppage time, it was the first half. Yeah, and I was thinking, boy, what a shame because she it was just – Terrific, and and she was terrific throughout the game. They ended up losing one nothing, right? Didn't and they? again, it's just it's. I hate to keep saying that the team was unlucky in the sense that you can't just you can't count on luck in a game, especially a game of fine margins. You know, we've talked about like a previous Orlando game where the ball didn't really go over the line. There's been other instances, and with that goal against Portland, yeah, it's on a regular field because the ball's coming over the top yeah. and regular field got bounces through to Abby Smith. She can head it clear, kick it clear. And then, you know, it's half time, you go with nil-nil and cause a good turf, it hicks good turf and just bounces up. You know, as a player, you kind of have to be conscious of that and she did take blame for it. She's like, you know, I get I shouldn't be doing that. But again, it's just things that don't usually happen, things that shouldn't be happening. And here we are now with five straight losses. And outside of the Orlando one being 3-1, most of them have been 1-0 losses, tight margins. Well, and, and we're talking about this and I'm sure they definitely are too because... Uh, in the press conference, you know, Hugh Williams, he even almost said that outright. He was like, we, you know, you can say we've had unlucky things happen. You can say, you know, whatever, that's been just kind of unfortunate, but I'm not a guy to rely on that and we still need to take care of business. So, you know, but I think it's also important to note that their last two games were against Orlando and Portland. 
which are by far two of the best teams in the league. And now we got Washington on Saturday. And it's just, I think it's a kind of a a testament to this team that, you know, they moved here in four months in the offseason. And even though they have not won a game, they are really playing with some of the best teams in the league. They're not getting crushed. They're not, you know, um, getting destroyed through the midfield. Yesterday, I thought the midfield was really strong. Um, Lolobanta being back was a huge, huge plus for that. So, yeah, I think... Once they can create some more consistency in that lineup, like only five players have played all games of the season. So yeah. once they get more consistency through that lineup, I, I think they'll see some more success. But uh, I, I don't think it's it maybe fair to just look at the results when you're looking at this team. I mean, you talk about the midfield, Cora, and later, I guess tomorrow, I'm going to be talking to Hugh and writing about the midfield because yesterday was, yesterday was honestly the first game where they've come out in the first half. And gave honest when I say first time, first time in a while, maybe Louisville, but um, gave come out on the front foot in the first half because I think you know we've been so used to the two defensive midfielders with Desiree Scott and uh, Gabby Vincent, both excellent players. But if you play two defensive mids in a three midfield system, you're going to usually be overrun, and that's what we've seen most games. They fall behind, either you know, either it might be a good goal, might be an unlucky circumstance. And like that you're chasing a game and then you see in the last 20-25 minutes, like, oh, this team can attack. Wow. But you want to be doing that from the first minute, right? And it's unfortunate that, you know, they played. But they start with, you know, two attacking midfielders and all of a sudden they're an attacking team. It's unfortunate that it's to do with fitness and load management. But the game that they finally decide to do that, it's against the undefeated best team in the league. And yeah, you know, like we were saying, Washington's up next to who's played really well. But, you know, I think this is honestly the toughest stretch to play all season. And I was chatting to Hugh and Amy talked about it last week and that it's got to be daunting, right? You look at a Premier League, a Liga, or, you know, even the Women's Super League out in um, England, the French Women's League. You've There's more teams, you've got good teams, you've got bad teams, you've got middle teams. You know, sometimes, you know, you may play one of the lesser teams, it's a little bit of a break. When you're playing the best league in the world, with the best players, and there's only 10 teams, so all those players... Right. Concentrated. It's concentrated, yeah. I, I, oh, I forgot what sports and player it was. It, it might have been Mo Johnston. He was saying back in his playing days, it was kind of the same MLS, and that there was so little teams that every game just seemed like a tough game because you never really get a break. Uh, so it, it's got to be tough for them. Uh, but this is the toughest stretch. Three best teams, really, eight days. So you know, it should start calming down soon. And it's year one, and... You know, some fans may be looking at Louisville. They're like, oh, well, they've won two games now. You know, they won. I forgot who they beat earlier in the season. They beat Houston just this past week. And like, well, you know, why is Kansas City not won and the other expansion team, Louisville's doing well? They've had a lot longer to prepare. And, you know, the big thing is, I'm not going to say this is a free pass kind of year for Kansas City. But again, they've came in four months before the season started. And we've had to do everything from coaching appointments, preparing players, coaching, everything. It's tough to put together a... They put together a really nice product on its face, but even the play on the field, you know, it's... I think you, you get through this year 
don't make anything rash, you know, with the coaching staff. And I think the NWSL is a little bit, a little bit more patient. So you know, let Hugh Williams get through this year, let his coaching staff get through this year, have an off season to prepare, get more players in, and I think season number two is the point where you say, are we good? If things aren't working, where do we go from here? Yeah, don't become the Kansas football of the NWSL. Yeah. Another point to that is that they've had, I think, 13 new players on this roster this year in a very short offseason. Exactly. And some yeah. of the trades came right before the Challenge Cup. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like a baptism by fire with this team. Like, there's no offseason training to get that chemistry going. It was literally, here's an entirely new lineup and team, starters, everything, and we're going to go right into the Challenge Cup. Yeah. So, you know, what you've seen, you have to kind of put that context in, like, I think the point they're at now is actually farther than you would have reasonably expected given the, the way they started this yeah. season with that roster change. I think if they had a win or two in 11 games, this would be a completely different story. and mm-hmm. It could still be bottom of the league, but people would be like, oh, you know, get a new team, but they've had a win or two, get only blemish, which 11 games is a long run. And I, I don't know the exact number, but if you go back to the Utah days... Uh, which, you know, it's it's the same core of players. It's now up to a 19 or 20 winless streak because Utah finished pretty, you know, we weren't winning either. I think the last win that Utah had was like July last year. Yeah, um, so we're approaching a year yeah. for a lot of these players. Right. So, I mean, and I don't know, It's I've been looking at like the the players traveling from Kansas City to Utah and back. So there's like five or six who were in Kansas City the first time and then they go to Utah, new team. Now there's like, I think, 13 15 players from that Utah team back here. So it's just been a lot of change, a lot of yeah. turnover, which is the nature of sometimes this league. But when you have basically a few super teams within the league who've got all these... <laughs> Rain. <laughs> you've got these, you know, U.S. women's national players that just yeah. dominate every field they walk on. It's definitely a, a perfect storm for what we have here. One of those players is not Becky Sauerbrunn, though, right? She she went she was in Kansas City, yep. went to Utah, and did not come here. Yeah, no. Um, oh, I, I was so ready in that Portland game where she had the volley from a penalty spot. I was like, go on, Becky. I know, I know, I know it was against Kansas City, but I was like, oh, if Becky comes up and scores a volley, but it went. Oh. I think everyone wants Becky to score a ball just once. So. That's right. Okay, so uh, we're going to have conversations like this. Every week, I, I hope we can get together and, and talk soccer with you guys. And I we've we gone a little long today, so next week, and we can think about this. Briar, you wrote a story this week that I thought was really interesting, and there was absolutely an NWSL component to it, and that's developmental league. We will make that a, uh, a focus of next week's uh, show. Yeah, two things. I'll be quick, I promise. Okay. Uh, firstly, Jimmy Nielsen, congratulations to him. Absolutely. Uh, we didn't, hey, we didn't here, talk here. about that, but here, sporting here. legends. Um, and secondly, I just want to hype up Ryer and Cora. Uh, it's been great having them these first couple of weeks. And like we were saying, two soccer, soccer-loving people. And you'll know it's a bit better than me, Blair. Outside of, I guess, my ink tanks, so my back into on UC. You know, have we had many soccer interested ink tanks down the years? Not, no. I, I can't. I really can't think of one off the top of my head. Uh, what we had, though, were right sports writers. Who's, who covered soccer, who grew into the beat, and yeah. by the time uh, they, they left the beat, uh, loved dealing with the, the team, the sport, 
and with Peter Vermees, because everybody deals with Peter Vermees, right? Everyone deals with Peter Vermees. <laughs> at some point. <laughs> I'm thinking of Therese Paler and Sam McDowell yeah. and people like that. They, they uh, absolutely loved covering uh, Sporting Kansas City. Todd Palmer was part of that as well. Mm-hmm. All right, very last thing before we go. We are in the knockout stage of the Euros. I want a winner. Football's oh, coming home. Yeah, I want to. I, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> it says the know, England supporter. I, I, I want a winner from each of you. Uh, we know where Sean's going. Briar, let's start with you. Belgium. I wasn't ready for this. Oh, uh, okay. I don't All know right. if I have an opinion. I don't want to. I don't want to make an uneducated take here. I've only watched a few of the games, the knockouts. I'm gonna be honest. France. I, I heard mean, it. Uh, no. I, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I I I'll root for France. That's fine with me. Okay. Well, hey, thank you, Wang Wang, sir. Come have a couple of beers with me Tuesday, 11am, if I'm not working. Um, like a Dubliner, we'll be watching England-Germany. And all the games after that until we win it, of course. You That's should especially go if you're rooting for Germany. Oh, you might get beat up. <laughs> How about England drawing Germany, though? What a, what a tough knock, uh, I, quarterfinal. I was, I was complaining about this with Dreyer last night as well. <laughs> because, again, I don't want to get into the details, but with the whole thick, like, there's four third-place teams to go through. Most of the first-place teams they play a third-place team apart from two. England is one of those unlucky ones. Uh, and then not only that, but the second-place team they play is from the group of death, when it was Portugal, Germany or France. Right, And right. we get Germany, so I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> right. But if we beat Germany, we've got, honestly, a, a much easier road to the final. So I, I think Germany might be our hardest game till the final. So, so it would be a very England thing to beat Germany and then... Lose to Ukraine. Lose to Ukraine. That's right. I know. I know. know. (laughs) All right. Uh, By the way, Breyer's right. Belgium is going to win uh, Euro this year. All right. Cora, Breyer, Sean, great conversation. Let's do it again next week. Let's do it. Another week in the books for Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. Thanks for listening, and thanks to our production staff of Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Monty Davis, Jeff Rosen, Chris Pickett, and Savannah Smith. Tip of the cap to Sean Goodwin, Cora Hall, and Briar Napier for stopping by and talking soccer. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we got another deal for you. You can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. Sports Pass is the online version of the Star Sports section. You get all the stories that appear in the print editions of the Star, plus additional stories that appear only on the website and they appear first on KansasCity.com. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. It's a great time to subscribe. Read about what's going on with the Chiefs, the Royals, the colleges, our soccer teams, and more. How do you get it? You go to KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. That's KansasCity.com slash SportsPass2020. You want more than just sports coverage? Check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. You get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional national news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of those offers, send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and we'll get you to the right place. So, whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat KC. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back on Monday with another episode.